G'day and welcome back to another episode of Bush Yarns. I'm Scotty Connell from Kimberley Spirit and I'm stoked to be able to bring you some more yarns from Mount Bush up here in the Kimberley, northwestern Australia. Let's get into it. G'day, I'm just sitting here with Michael Kahn. Um, I've worked alongside Michael the last four or five years with Feed the Little Children um, here in Broome. It's Sunday afternoon. There's a beautiful sea breeze from the west, southwest, just coming in, and we're sitting here at Cable Beach area. And really great um, opportunity to be able to catch up with Michael. G'day, Michael. Hi, Scotty. How are you going? Yeah, well, mate. Just want to introduce yourself, tell the guys a bit about who you are, where you're from, etc. Yeah, um, my name is Michael. I'm a Noongar man from the southwest to Western Australia. Um, been up in Broome about 15 years. Yeah, awesome. And the last five you've been, or six was it, with Feed the Little Children? Uh, yes, so I started working with Feed the Little Children in 2015. Yeah. And finished uh, a couple of months ago. So. And so what, did you just fall into it? Did Clint headhunt you or how did you <laughs> or did you just volunteering or how'd that come about yeah well it's um it's a bit of a long story i i'm a chef by trade and i was working in um different restaurants around the place yeah um i applied for a job at one of the resorts in town and um i didn't get that job so i started uh i took this other job as a um breakfast cook for a homeless breakfast what one's that uh, Senecare. Yep. Um, so feed up to they used to feed up to 160 people on a on a Monday and yeah. uh, 80 on a Friday and 80 on a uh, on a Wednesday. Yep. Yeah, and um, yeah. So I, I and then the resort rang me back and they gave me offered me another job, a different job that I didn't apply for. So uh, I took this job helping. Uh, homeless people cooking for homeless people and then I'd leave and I'd go to um, my job in the afternoon and work until 11 o'clock at night or something yeah right the job's on so by not getting that other job you managed to then pick up a job which is serving and helping people as well as the job that you originally went for came back so you ended up being a busy man yeah yeah so I had uh, (laughs) if I would have got the first job I wouldn't have took the the homeless breakfast job so yeah it worked out uh really good you know i I, um so i worked there for six years and then i was still working in restaurants and different things um and i just i just liked helping people you know i I just found that um it was fulfilling instead of running around in a busy kitchen and um, sweating it out in yeah. In a wet season and in tourist season, it's just uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was good, and um, I you know I developed a lot of friendships with people um, doing that. I had uh, um, just see people down the street, and yep, I could say hello, how you going, brother, and all this, and yeah, it's it was good. Um, so that sort of progressed. I I started doing that, and then I was working in. Um, in restaurants like i said and uh mm. i actually had a had to have a hip replacement so yeah right i couldn't um yeah, what what brought that on oh when i was about 20 years old yeah I, um they thought i had cancer on my spine so they they treated it with um 
steroids. Yeah, right. And then, um, yeah, I was uh, diagnosed with MS, and yeah. I had a couple of more episodes where I went blind and. Um, yeah, I was paralysed and. Uh, yeah, right. So they treated that with steroids as well, and then, like twenty years later, um, mm. I developed uh, osteonecrosis. So mm. had to have one hip replaced, and um, I still have to have the other one done. But yeah, right. How um, old are you? Now? Yeah. Uh, forty-five. Yeah. Yeah. So. Getting a bit you, on. You wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know, eh? Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't thanks. know that you've, you've been through that physically. Oh, I thought you were saying about, the, about my age. <laughs> and that, of course. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, you wouldn't pick that at all. You don't walk with a limp or anything like that, or you don't... No. No, no. so it doesn't affect you from day to day now? Uh, like, the, the left in that way. Left one, the one I had replaced is good, but the other yep. one's a bit, a bit sore and... Yeah, right. Because of the MS and having it from since I was twenty, I, I have to be on the public waiting list. So yeah, right. When I can't bear the pain anymore, they'll taint, they'll uh, do the other one. So sort it out. Yeah. So what about your work with feed little children? Get back to that. You you started with them by um, yeah. How did you get to the feed little children? Oh yeah. So um, I, I think it sort of progressed through the homeless breakfast. Uh, yeah. Just helping people and then. I just I really like that and yeah. being a Noongar man and helping Aboriginal people was just um, it just seemed like a, a natural thing to do you know yeah and um, so I had the hip done and I, so I couldn't work in restaurants anymore so I, I um, studied to be a, a commercial cookery trainer so I did a TAE and I got a job doing that and yeah so I was doing that I was working in a restaurant still and I was doing the homeless breakfast yeah, and then I started uh, volunteering at uh, feed the little children. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, I just yeah, it was good, you know. I I just um, enjoyed going around talking to the families and mm. helping people and providing that support. For the bigger picture, for people that don't know anything about feed the little children, I've told them a little bit on here, but what is it? Where you know? So, um, feed the little children is a program that uh, a guy. Uh, by the name of Clint Durham, he developed him and his him and his wife. He he's a crime analyst for the um, WI police force, yeah. and he noticed the property crime was rate was up on Friday and Saturday nights. So him and his wife started cooking food and delivering it to um, parks and things to families, and then they got some funding and started feeding the little children. Yeah, um, yeah. So when I left. We were cooking up to 700 meals, and that was only for two nights a week, so 350 meals a, no a yeah. night. Yeah, and and you have a lot of fun in there too. Yeah, we always have a have a laugh, and <laughs> I, I you're think in your element in there, aren't you? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, you were, you know. Yeah, yeah, have a bit it, of it was laugh, good, you know. Volunteers, and, and I think in my life too, just growing up, I I, I sort of um, I went through a lot of the things that that the local people in Broome go through, you know, I've, I've witnessed domestic violence, I w witnessed uh, alcohol and drug abuse and, yep. and things like that. And, um, yeah, just, I just felt that, you know, it was what I should be doing is helping people, you know, because, because yeah. I've that's experienced that. And uh, Yeah. So that's, you got a heart to, 
to help those who are going through similar stuff and that's awesome man well yeah. done thanks um that one thing i really i've noticed in my time um alongside you guys is when you're out there and there's kids that are being fed a lot of the parents they will pretty be pretty open with you and saying that they can't they need help you know they need to the kids need help they're really open aren't they they're really transparent in in the fact that they are alcoholics abusing alcohol and that their kids you know and they they're happy to get all the help they can get is that your general feel it's like yeah well there's a lot of different factors to it it's not just um people drinking or yeah uh, wasting their money on other things it's you know there's sometimes there's grandmothers looking after kids the kids just get dropped off there or or um mm. foster people that foster um foster kids and stuff it's not just um yeah like i'm saying it's not just um people wasting their money sort of thing yeah uh, but um yeah it it is good to sort of to to help um oh, absolutely. provide that service you know yeah and you can see that it's being received like you can see that they're obviously stoked you know yeah it's being received with open arms and those nights friday and saturday are still the like this is what 10 years on now really is they're still the problem nights yeah um uh, that property crime rate dropped down by 47 percent on the nights that um that we were delivering food so how quickly did that happen again um like that was within a couple of years wasn't it yeah like, well that that was before i started so yeah right i'm not not too sure the time frame yeah yeah but it's only been going eight years and you started five or six years ago so it happened within a couple of years it's pretty phenomenal isn't it when you think about it yeah you yeah. know that he you know that he could set up a program like that feed kids and like nearly half the property crime on those two nights which are the problem nights which then in effect what and I understand it, but just for the guys that are listening, what happens from there? So kids are breaking into houses for food, for any opportunity, and then the cycle begins, right? Yeah, well, if they if they start, you know, um, normalising, um, like stealing from the shop or breaking into cars or whatever it is, then it just it becomes a, a pathway to to um, crime, you know, and to to that life lifestyle of uh, of just uh, of crime, you know. Yeah. Which which is it's tough, you know. I've I've uh, it's a bit hard when when the kids don't have role models and that yeah. that um, to try to tell them to do good things and teach them to good, do good things and and um, if they haven't got that that a person in their life or people in their lives to sort of try to put them on the right path and then it's really difficult for them as kids to to sort of. Um, you know live productive lives you know in, yeah. in society it's um yeah it's uh they get stuck in that system and in that cycle and then all of a sudden you're 18 19 20 and you're an adult you're being you know being tried as an adult in court or things like that for things that were harmless that now you're realizing but by then you're already in a cycle so this is actually cutting it off earlier by giving some food then what go to sleep and and i'm um, not being out all night playing up yeah, hopefully that you know that that is what uh, what the program did. Um, you know, after after that, just sto- I just I think just stopping that um, that cycle of uh, of hunger and then petty crime for, because of that. Yeah, there's also other other things like um, the um, oh. Hello lost my no, you're right. <laughs> train of thought sorry <laughs> no, um, 
Yeah, no, there's uh, like, nowhere to be. Nowhere to be. It's yeah. um, I'll just I'll just point out that prior to doing this, Michael was quite nervous about talking about these issues because they are so close to his heart, and they're and there's a lot there's a lot of depth to talking about this sort of stuff. But I really want to encourage you in what you're doing, and I just really think it's a great awareness for people to understand what's going on and take your time. There's absolutely nowhere to be. There's no hurry. It's really cool that you've given us this time for people to learn more about them. And, and so that's Feed the Little Children's work that we're talking about. And, um, and they're amazing. You've, since then, since Feed the Little Children, um, you have now joined forces with Kimberly Stolen Generation, which is awesome. Yeah. It's sort of the next chapter, right? So... Yeah, I um, like I my my dad was taken away when he was a kid, so yeah, um, I know firsthand like the effects that has, like the um, even second generation. I'm a second generation uh, stolen, so yeah, those 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 effects, you know, it it just goes down um, down into into the family. Like if if you it's funny for for so Kimberly stolen generation you're sharing a bit about your family um yeah yeah my my dad was taken away from his mother and father is that um, down south yeah down in in Collie he grew up around the Collie area yeah. well obviously being Noongar sorry <laughs> yeah. um, Noongar is pretty much the southwest of western Australia isn't it like Perth down across is it that far yeah, 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 down like Albany, around that area, and all yeah. that southwest corner. Yeah, yeah. So he, my grandfather, used to work on timber mills around um, Manjum up and Pemberton, and yeah, uh, all around the place, Collie and different places. And yeah, he um, booked up a Bible from one of the stores there, and um, for some reason he couldn't pay for the Bible, so yeah. he got. Uh, put in prison because of that. Yeah, right. And um, that's why my dad and his brothers and sisters were taken to the mission. Yep. Far out. Something so simple, but back then, it was gnarly, wasn't it? Far yeah. Out. And getting a Bible. <laughs> like trying to get the good word, you know? The yeah. Good, the good news. Yeah, he's, you know, he's trying to get strength and yeah. um, things from from reading the Bible. And because he couldn't pay for it, he end up getting his kids taken away so so then how does that affect your father yourself the you know generations to follow four people that live down south or live over east or in the cities that haven't don't have aboriginal people living around them um or have you know any sort of contact with indigenous culture um or indigenous people sorry yeah how, how does um, that look like well it, it's tough you know it's like um when when you're growing up your parents, mm. they teach you how to be an adult, you know, they teach you how to act, how to, what you're supposed to do. Like, my, my pop was a hard-working man, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, one of my dad's brothers was only a baby when they were taken away, so it's, it's been, it's hard even growing up um, with, uh, like, that even being, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't stolen myself, but yeah, 
um, because my father didn't really know how to how to be a dad. I suppose he, you know, nothing. Nothing. Uh, I'm not saying a bad word about him because he's a good man who worked hard and yep. did the best he could under the circumstances. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he was. They were pretty strict in the mission, you know. Like, um, it was down in Marybank Mission near Katanning. Yeah. And that's like the coldest part of Western Australia in, <laughs> in winter. And um, <laughs> so, you know, he used to tell us stories about um, if someone wet the bed in the middle of winter down in this, you know, southwest of Western Australia. Um, They'd have to get up in the middle of the night and uh, wash their sheets. They'd have to have a, a cold bath yeah. and w- wash their sheets and then go back to sleep. So, um, you know, we're talking about temperatures that can get down to zero even, you know, or minus two or things like that. It's not it's not um, a, good, a good thing, you know. It's like it's... Uh, that trauma imagine that trauma for if you wet the bed as a kid and something um, you'd never forget would you whether you're on this earth for 20 years or 80 years or but they don't forget it do you do they I've, i speak to a lot of old people who can tell you about things that happen when they're six or seven years old and they're in their 70s or you know that sort of thing and you just don't forget it do you so that generational trauma is a real is, is a real thing and that's something you're dealing with here in the i um, in your new role at stolen generation how does that how do you go with that? Obviously, having having experience within the family is a big, big asset, a big, big plus. Yeah, well, it it affects people differently. You know, there's like there were some people that got out of the mission and they'd work hard and um and do things and but and they'd be really strict. Yeah, they'd be like, um, yeah, they'd sort of you got to do this, you got to do that. I think that's that's how it was. It was like a like um being in in the in the mission like that you know there's like rules if you don't do the rules and you know you get flogged or something but yeah right. um so that that that's tough and there's other other families i suppose that got out of there and um other people that thought that because they got treated so harshly and it wasn't you know we're talking about kids from five up to whatever you know like 15 or something and yeah if they if they haven't been shown shown love, yeah, it's it's so so hard for them to show their kids love and yeah sometimes and um I sorry I've got off track a bit there like about the sorry right. yeah so um, so so these old people here you've told me about them um, about your new role and I didn't even know this sort of role existed it's awesome you go around now like this is what you'll be doing this week you go out you sit down with old people under the tree in their community and you tell them about what do you and they tell you about their story and then you help them find family and stuff and they pay you to do that yeah like, yeah so no, it's it's freaking epic there's there's a lot of different things there you know there's um different services uh yep. that Kimberley uh stop Kimberley stolen generation um offer you know so I, I'm a link up caseworker so yeah I um travel to communities and talk to people and help them to find family members and uh even like some of the some of the kids that were taken they were told that their mother died at birth 
Yeah. And um, so they never knew they had a mum, and then they'd get out of the mission, and then someone would say, "Oh, your your mum came looking for you," and things like that. So, yeah. And then those kids, they've they've been looking for their, or even young adults, they look for their parents, and they didn't have anywhere to to go to look. Yeah. To try to find people, you know. So, um, Kimberley Stolen Generation was started about twenty years ago. Yeah. And um, so we help people to be reconnected with family and um, even like graveside reunions as well. So, yep. you know, if the parents have, have died and um, it gives just gives the kids that, that or the adults now, that, that closure, you know. Yeah, um, I bet. It's a wild space to go in. I noticed with feed little children out on the street, those kids, they knew you and you built a like, really neat rapport with them and... And I can only imagine the same things happening now over at Kimberley Stolen Generation. You get to know these people through the work, don't you? And and begin relationships with them and get to speak life into their situations. Is that? Can you feel that? Yeah, um, I've only started a few months ago. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not, uh, I haven't sort of built that um, relationship with the clients thus far. But, yeah. you know, I... I'm, I it's just amazing just to sit down and listen to some of these people's stories, you know. Um, just the resilience and the strength, you know. There's people that have been through so much in their lives, you know, and yeah. and they just keep going. And that that part of Aboriginal culture just it just makes me feel proud to be Aboriginal, you know. Like listen to the people's stories, you know, the yeah. the strength that they have, and look, people think that um aboriginal people are just you know good for nothing just drink too much do this do that but when you listen to some of these people's stories it's just it amazes me you know and i i just yeah I'd, I'd really like to um get some of these elders to sit down with the young people and talk about their lives and what they've been through and and i think that would help these kids you know yeah. as well so. coming from that experience factor yeah yeah um when you're talking about where they've been um like stolen generation i know within the kimberley there's beagle bay columbury umbulgari particular spots there's a lot of guys from the east that ended up in the west and vice versa that's just within the kimberley where they moved further like where they moved around australia or was it all just sort of those main missions you know like these guys that you're talking to yeah no kids were taken all over the place um like around the country, all over the place, or yeah. So some from the east, Kimberley would have been taken over to Northern Territory and yeah. and things like that. And some even end up over in the eastern states. We only um, the CEO Tanya um, yeah. Bin Barker was talking the other day and said that there was a couple of um, kids that were in England or something. Yeah, right. They were way over there. There was. Um, like a, a nun saw them and thought that they looked like um, Aboriginal kids from the Kimberley and started to talk to them and found out that they were actually from from in the Kimberley somewhere and right. they had um, they were able to have a reunion. So, and so that sort of thing you guys are facilitating. Um, I guess the reason I was bringing up where everyone was removed to because you're looking for family. How do you how do you look for a family member? You know, like that. Like how do you locate someone like that? Well, it's difficult with with the record keeping and and things. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're looking for people 
like if they're looking for their grandparents and their, or their parents and if they're in their 60s or 70s now mm. so you're looking for people that were born early 1900s sometimes so with no actual birth date apart from the one they're given by the government yeah yeah and um and born under a tree yeah or well, out, out on the flat somewhere how do you how do you wrap your head around that um yeah well it's hard isn't it you know um, <laughs> yeah, i bet that's crazy and the records all the records there's there's not much um you know there's a few different places we can look on uh on the jane goodacre um index and yep yeah she traveled around and took uh heaps of genealogies and uh tyndale yeah another guy by the name of tyndale he he did uh family trees and family research and stuff and there's other um IATSIS as well is another um government organization where they have heaps of uh records and photos and different things but it's difficult as well because um you know some of the aboriginal people's names um they might have been difficult to pronounce or something and people just spell it how they th- thought yeah. it sounded so yeah. um it's hard because then you got to try to look at how it might be spelt and when you're looking at these different um places where you can get information from so so you're breaking down all those factors and, yeah no. and what an amazing job man it's it's incredible i was wondering what was going to happen after feed little children because when you're in that space it's a it's a big space to be in helping people like that and credit to you for being in that space for for so long but then i was wondering what was next and this sounds like you've settled right into something that's got your name written all over it right yeah well you know i i think everything happens for a reason it's just a a progression i suppose um you know I've, i've had a lot of experiences in my life and um if i can use those experience to help others well that's that's um i think you know if everyone did that the world would be a better place wouldn't it you know absolutely that's a good man right there bless you mate that's how it's cool um something that i wanted to talk about earlier that you weren't so sure about but (laughs) (laughs) but i really want you to tell tell these guys you know we're all human and we're all doing our bit and doing what we can to help others but sometimes we we do things that you know aren't so good but um but you get that and if you can correct it then that's a that's a real bonus and and um do you want to tell them about what happened in the car fight huh. <laughs> uh not really but <laughs> yeah well i um so yeah i'm a christian i um i had a pretty rough childhood and um sort of turned to alcohol and drugs at an early age and it was difficult because i didn't have role models you know to say let's go and do this let's go and do that i yeah. did have but they they'd say don't do this don't do that and then they'd do it you know so it was it was like um i wouldn't listen to people like who, who did that sort of thing you know what i mean yeah but um yeah i so i i sort of drunk a lot and i um used to smoke some drugs and other use other drugs and things like that and i i just um i you know i i did it to to sort of try to get over my own p- problems and yeah um try to make myself feel better and try to find some happiness and that but no no you know i just i just got further and further into um drinking and um using drugs and i i, I was sort of got to 
a point where I I couldn't do it anymore. You know, I was, I was at, at my wit's end. I was having other things were happening as well. I was having nightmares every night and all these different things. And I, I started going to church. And um, where was that? Down south or up here? No, in in Broome here. Yeah. So I was going to. Um, oh, there's other factors that contributed to that too. My brother committed suicide, and uh, so that uh, that made me even drink more. Um, Sorry to hear that, man. That's yeah, yeah, and I, I you know, even all the um, all the trauma, like inter inter intergenerational trauma of uh, people being stolen. Like, so my, my brother committed suicide. I've had uncles commit suicide. I've had cousins commit suicide. I've had friends commit suicide. Mm. There was a there was a point when I tried to commit suicide, and it's um, yeah, it's it's uh. It's something that's actually normalized up here, isn't it? When you've had enough people, it's almost normalized. It's something that it's an option, you know, for people, isn't it? They get into this stuff where they can't hack it any longer. And I, th- I think it's just that not having any support to yeah. to get out of, um, like out of that, the the struggle or the, you know, if if everyone around you is is can't cope as well and everyone else is self-medicating through alcohol and drugs and, yeah. and things like that and, and you want to try to get out of that or you don't want to get into that or whatever and it's how hard is that you know it's, it's and then if people haven't got um they lose hope you know yeah they think that life is just this is what life is it's just doing this it's just doing that and it, and it's it's so, so sad that people think that um taking their own, own life is is a way out of that i think we got a bit sidetracked from the car park yeah story we'll, get, anyway, back, we'll get back to that this is this yeah. is important yeah you know, um, it's good for people to understand this because it's it's number one up here it's the thing that we want to see gone the most eradicating your suicide and, yeah you know. yeah and you know there's a lot of a lot of issues as well around suicide in in the kimberley and so how do you get from being there to being where you are today because you're kicking ass um yeah well it, it's been a journey you know I, I i did i started going to church and uh then i and what's that look like you just rock up have you been to church before is the your grandfather had a bible from whoop, whoop, back in the day oh uh, i was i because yeah. i was at, i was at my wits end you know yeah my, my dad um uh, my my pop um because when when the kids were taken when his kids were taken he, he sort of drunk more as well so yeah that started that cycle of him drinking also my my grandmother my dad's mother um her and her brother and three other people were drinking um someone gave him a bottle of wine in down in collie there and they um powdered some glass up and put it in the wine so um they all drank from this same bottle and uh five of them end up dying of like internal bleeding and stuff so it's yeah pretty pretty tough way to go and then when the kids were in the mission when this happened and mm. so you know I, I what 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 would you do as a, as a father if your wife died in that circumstance and your kids were taken away you know yeah um, absolutely and then my dad and uncles and and things when they got out of the mission they sort of drunk a fair bit as well so which is totally understandable right it's like like you're saying what would what would you do because 
not only is family everything anyway but for everybody but in traditional in aboriginal culture family really is everything in in a sense that you you spend so much time with your aunties your uncles your cousins your brothers your sisters you all go fishing together you you know there's there's big extensive families yeah so when stuff stuff like that is pulling them apart yeah well breaking it down then yeah there is that extended family you know it's um and it is good to have that this it sort of helps helps you to to deal with you know to get through things but sometimes if all your extended family are all drinking and using drugs as well then it's difficult as well you know how did jesus save you you went to church you rocked up there thought i'm just gonna see this you know there's some hope there you know you know that he's providing hope for others and all of that how did that get to you that message get to you and your heart for you to be here sitting in front of me well it didn't it didn't for a while i was yep. um i was going to church uh for about 10 months yeah and then because i was having nightmares and i couldn't sleep and all these things were happening i um i'd get drunk at night i'd go to church in the morning and i'd get drunk and i'd use drugs and this happened for about 10 months yeah and then um yeah i went working on a community as a as a um camp cook yeah um jugger yeah you know, it's uh out of fitzroy there yeah and um yeah i just i was weaning myself off these uh tablets i were taking and um so i couldn't sleep and i just um i started reading the bible and as i was reading the bible i i started thinking of sins throughout my life things i've done wrong you know and, yeah um yeah and then i just started saying sorry i just started repenting from those things yeah um was someone helping you through that was that just literally by opening it up and reading the stories in it or how did that yeah well I, I started reading from genesis actually and when you read from genesis um you really understand the grace of God you know because there's uh, things that happened to the Israelites when um, you know someone took some gold or something and um, in one of their campaigns war campaigns they had someone took some gold and they found out who this guy was by going for each family and then God sort of picked out this one guy and his um and his family and then the earth just opened up and and swallowed them all up and all the animals and everything and then so i was like i was there and i was thinking about the things i've done in my life you know and yeah and i read that and i was like oh, wow you know and then i was like oh no please please sort of please help me lord you know i was i was um mm. was this like if you're real help me or was this like you knew it was real by then or no no i was just just giving it a crack yeah, I was. If, I was just, if he is who he says he is, I was just, I was just praying and. Um, yeah. And, yeah, then, I sort of, the lights went off in the. In the uh, donga that I was staying in, as I was reading the Bible, and I um. This is well after I was repenting, and um. I sort of had this strong thought, um, go out and read, read your Bible in the car. So I went out and um, opened the Bible and turned the light on. Mm. 
the first thing I read it was like it said um, I am the Lord your God and um, there was crickets making noise and it just went completely quiet and there was wind blowing and it just went went still and um, a few thoughts popped into my mind you know like different thoughts about who is God you know and um, I said uh, Yahweh the Hebrew name of God and then the wind started blowing again and cricket started making noise again I love that yeah yeah it was pretty powerful <laughs> pretty powerful experience and yeah since then I like and very timely <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh, I was just um, I just like even I, I realised what sort of person I was you know I, I used to go out fighting and and stealing and all sorts of stuff. I was an idiot, you know, and using drugs and all these all these things. But um, yeah, and I just from then, like that that next day, like I um, told him that I can't work there, and I went back to Broome and um, rang the pastor on from my church on the way in and told him what happened, and he told me what it meant to become a Christian. So I asked Jesus into my heart to be um, the savior of my heart and saviour my soul and to help me to and forgive me for my sins you know mm. and um from there i just i quit using drugs i quit drinking i quit smoking I like radically or did it take just, time oh straight away really just, like just no cold yeah. turkey nothing just yeah uh, yeah and um and the healing began right on yeah those years of the trauma and the abuse and yeah yeah that's that's incredible man that's that's the story right there i tell you <laughs> yeah you know and it's like um uh, if i i think of some of the things that i've been able to do like because i was taking these tablets and stuff as well and when i started taking them i was i put like 60 kilos on in five years yeah so i, I ended up being like 170 kilos so i was huge and, yeah um yeah some of the things i've been able to do since then it's just it's amazing i wouldn't even thought anything like that you know I've, I've even sort of so how much did you drop i dropped um 80 kilos yeah i put oh, a bit man. back on now but i've got to lose it again that's, inc <laughs> that's incredible yeah thanks that's that's um real testament real true testament to who he is and and what he's got for people right to come doesn't matter where you're from what color you are you know what you've been through that the grace is there and that you can can make that choice, and you, and then can step into this freedom, and then and then ultimately use it for good, like you're doing right now. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, you and should be proud, man. All, all my experiences, Epic. you know, I, I I believe God uses all, all everyone's experience to help others. You know, all things for good, and even like from been all the things throughout my life. It's so, you know, it's it's shaped me to be who I am. Yeah, you know, there's if I could change some things, I probably would, but you can't change things, and and uh, I think um, even knowing how how good and gracious God is is uh, is a is a blessing in itself, you know. Yeah, sure is. Mm. Um, going to using all things for good. I want to hear you. You ran into a car in the car park. Tell us about it. Well, I didn't run into one. I, um, oh, you backed into it? It ran into you? What happened? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. This was a couple of weeks ago you told me this, but I love the story. Oh, yeah. Well, it happened a few years ago. I was, um, I went and did my shopping at Coles. Yeah. 
in Broomey and I um as I was opening the door to put the shopping in, the wind got a hold of the door and it hit the car next door. Yeah. And um I don't know why I was just because uh, I, I had a prank a couple of months earlier, actually I accidentally reversed in the car and um <laughs> so I had insurance for that. And yeah. um Yeah, and then that happened and I was like, Oh I just had an accident and all this and that. So I sort of against um my better judgment and stuff i reversed out and and drove off did it hit the car good then yeah no i good. left left a bit of a scratch yeah on the door and I, uh, yeah um and you yeah. and you bailed <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, not one of my proudest moments but i, I sort of <laughs> the story progresses and I, I did i think i made up for it yeah um, yeah tell us whatever yeah. whatever next <laughs> so you knock someone's car up you bail yeah um you're feeling rotten well, that, that afternoon I was talking to um, the pastor from the uh, <laughs> church. I go to the People's Church in Broome here. And um, I told him what happened. And, you know, he's, he um, he prayed for me and he, he said, oh, you know, um, God can forgive you even if uh, the person who's car you scratch can't forgive you or whatever. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, yeah. So he prayed for me and stuff, and then I, I thought about it the next day when I got up, and I was driving to work, and I thought, well, I should just put something up on the on the um, community notice board, and on, just say that I've scratched someone's car on the Facebook. Yeah, that yeah. everyone's all over. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I put a post up, and what did that? What did you write? What did it say? Oh, I just said what happened. I said, look, as I was. Um, as I was putting my shopping in the car, the wind got the door and um, hit the car next to me. Yeah. Yeah, and even driving off, I don't, I don't know why. I, I, you know, it's it's out of. I normally would have stayed. I would have waited, but when I look back, I can see why because the story how it progressed. That I was able to find um, the people and. Um, how up, how when, does that work? Well, when I, I put like, it up... Because everyone writes their own comment, their own five cents worth once you drop something like that on the community Facebook. Yeah. Everyone chimes in on it. What were people saying? Yeah, well, um, some people, a lot of people saying, oh, um, oh good on you, mate. Um, <laughs> good honesty and, and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And Not for knocking up the car. <laughs> yeah, well, um, well... And then a few other people, like someone said, oh, I'll, you know, I'll donate $50 towards towards the repair of the car and uh someone else said oh i've done another 50 dollars and stuff like that so the community got together to give you a hand to yeah to pay for it but no one knew whose car it was yet or oh no the the lady um someone tagged another lady on the post as well and so i talked to her and um and yeah so we were going to organize to get the the car fixed yeah right. but she was going to wait for her husband to get home and see if he could maybe buff it out or something and um so he when he did get home he sort of he buffed the car and he got the scratch out yeah right so um yeah i, I told the the people that were going to donate the money i said oh no it's all right you know um they we got the scratch out and it's we don't need the money anymore and, and things like that and they said no you do a lot of good work well, we want to give you the the money to buy yourself a christmas present <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, what, you know? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I, I was. <laughs> yeah. I, How cool I, is that? Your own community getting behind you, appreciating what you do, and then wanting to buy you a gift for for your honesty, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but look, um, yeah, but driving off and uh, it's 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 just uh, amazing how it worked. <laughs> anyway, I um, yeah, I, I was because I talked to a lady a couple of days before that, and she told me how she was struggling and stuff, and um, and this was just before Christmas as well. So I was able to get that hundred dollars, and um, yeah, I gave it to her. So yeah, just able to pass it on. Yeah, how good's that? Yeah. Um, and then I, I think that's what I think I thought about it. I was like, well, if I didn't scratch that car, if I didn't drive off, if I didn't put a post on the notice board, if I didn't do this, then I wouldn't have been able to give that hundred dollars to that lady. Yeah, so it's amazing, isn't it? It says that in the word too, doesn't it? About using all things for good, even our dumb decisions and even our you know mistakes and regrets and everything like that can all be turned around and used for good. This is a perfect example. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. <laughs> <laughs> And something yeah. relatable. I think a lot of people out there may have done, hopefully not that sort of thing, but been in situations where they could have owned up, but they haven't. And then it's um, amazing to have that media too, isn't it? To be able to get hold of the community so easy. Yeah. And get people together. Because before that, how do you do that? You... Yeah, well, that's that's right. Like, um, you know, if, if they didn't have like social media and stuff, then I wouldn't have been able to find the find the lady and things like that and now this media form as well the podcast to be able to share your story with people is also another super powerful one and i want to say thank you and um for for having a yarn and um i know it's not easy and i really appreciate you taking your time out to do that but is there anything else you want to say to people any message or anything you got to say to people who could be listening to this that um yeah yeah you know there's i um it's, it's difficult to like with Aboriginal um, culture and stuff, you know, with with things that have happened in the past and all these different things and the struggles that people have been through and um, it's not that people are just they don't want to do anything, they just want to drink, they just want to do, you know, they just want to use drugs or whatever. Mm. There's a lot of issues and people have a lot of pain and it's it's not just one generation it's over this trauma is going over you know for hundreds of years you know it's just there's a lot of pain and there's a a lot of hurt in in the aboriginal community Mm. and um you know it's it's not gonna it's not easy fix but if we can all understand what people are going through and the why things are the way they are then hopefully that you know people can start acting on that and just showing more kindness and encouragement to people and helping people and you know if we all pull together and all do that then we can make australia a better place you know yeah we can heal from the past and um yeah move on as a nation together it's a really powerful message man it's awesome mate. i really appreciate your time and coming out here and um your brother's vpss or vn uh vp he's got VPs. oh yeah yeah you've you've got that um your brother's yeah. no longer with us as you mentioned and you've got that car that yeah. thing is a beautiful car right you've restored that and done a bit of work to that yes um yeah i spent a fair bit on it and um five liter yeah so it used to be a uh police car yeah and um 
Yeah, so I spent a, a lot of money on it, and it's actually going to go in a car show uh, this weekend. So next weekend coming. So yeah. Mm. And that's been um, a good little passion project on the side for you when you're not at work and you're not. not yeah. Um, yeah. I. I um, I just wanted to honour him, you know, with something. And yeah. Uh, a yeah. lot of a lot of people, you know, we might not have anything that, if we've lost a loved one through suicide or something, we might not have anything that we can cherish and hold on to. Yeah. But I'm so uh, happy and blessed that I can um, could have done that to his car, and yeah, I, yeah. I think that's yeah. And it that's, shows, it's man. A good thing. It shows. It looks looks amazing. Thanks. Such yeah. a killer car, killer rider. Yeah. He'll be so stoked. Yeah. No, that's epic, man. Thanks so much for for sharing the tough issues, but also great ones for people to hear and gain more of an understanding, so that it can work for reconciliation in this country of ours that we all love. So, really honoured and a real privilege to speak to you. Cheers, Michael. Thanks, Scotty. He became sin.
Christmas tuning into another episode i trust you enjoyed it to follow more of our journey check us out on instagram at kimberly spirit or the website kimberlyspirit.com stay stoked and god bless